You're listening to Anime RMD, GED, Underground Cartoon Therapy. This episode's dedicated to Lucian Michael Colsheen. However the fuck you say your stupid, retarded fucking name, you guys can suck my fucking... Oh boy, this show's a whopper. And uh, I didn't want to have a fucking guest on today because I'm sick of talking to people for right now. And it's not a lie. Um, <laughs> even though that's what the fucking show's about. And I've done it, you've done it, everybody's fucking done it. We've all lied. There's all kinds of lies, too. You got the criminal motherfucker. Well, you're aging pretty well, though, for 46. So, we got a scanner. Right. It turns out it's not you. We'll cut you loose. and right. Apologize for... Yeah. Thinking you're your son. If this thing comes back that you are who we thought you are, you're going to catch another felony obstruction case. Okay, so if you just avoid a warrant, it's just a simple court date. You go down, get your new court date, get released. There's no need to get another felony case over this. Because we're going to find out. Okay, that's me. Nice. Y'all know it's me, man. Yeah, your story is everywhere. Yeah. And the fact that... Damn, man. I'm hot as hell, bro, trying to lie. I know. <laughs> the heat was on, man. You got celebrities fucking lying to you. Something like parties and wild scenes, all wrong. People make up so many crazy stories. The things I read about and things I see is not the person who I am. After serving jail time, Paris Hilton appeared on Larry King Live to talk about the experience. During the interview, King asked the heiress if she'd ever taken drugs, and twice she denied it claiming all she's taken were meds for ADHD. Um, it's Adderall. I think anyone who has ADD takes it. Photos began to pop up showing Hilton smoking weed, though. And perpetrators of a 2008 robbery claimed to have found cocaine in her Hollywood mansion. Oh, my God. Then you got an instance uh, where I had to take a showdown because I was catfished by not only a guest, but a producer from the show Catfish. Fucking ended up lying to me, and I ended up doing some research all this time later, and I got this guy, Hartford Catfish, you can look him up on uh, YouTube, and this was a part of uh, what he had to say out of a four and a half minute interview. Okay, so I'm just letting you guys know this, um, it's not all that real like they say, no, 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 okay, it's not all that real, how the show Catfish works is... You have to write an email, obviously. Um, if you go to the cast and catfish, it says, "Have you ever catfished anybody?" Blah, blah, blah. Have you ever met your that person online? Blah, blah, blah. Um, or am I say, "Have you feel you've been getting catfished?" No. The catfish is the one that does the application. Okay, and then let me tell you how fake they are. The producers. The producers, Max they have Joseph, the producer work with the catfish and the catfishy. Okay, they give, they say, "Oh, don't worry, you know, I'm on your side, I'm on your team." No, they're not. They are not on your side, and they are not on your team. Okay, because um, you have the same producer helping both people out. Okay, they lie. And like I said, they are not on your sides. Okay, they don't care about your story. 
These people do not care about your story. They don't care how hurt you have been. All they want to do is get viewers and viewers and viewers and viewers and viewers and viewers and viewers. They don't care about helping you out. They really don't. They don't give two fucks. Okay. They supposedly help you out. And then on the catfish episodes, on the catfish specials, all they do is sit there and make fun of you. Are you that stupid? You're making yourself look like a fool by going on these TV shows. Like, you really are. But anyways, it is what it is. I will bring that episode back up, man. I will bring it back out. I took it down a couple times. I was getting lied to. My co-host C2 left me because he didn't have the balls to fucking stand by me while I was going through it. And was trying to get me to be like, oh, no, let's just release it a year from now. Well, guess what, motherfucker? A year from now, no one's going to be giving a fuck. And to further boot it, my co-host said that she would never leave me, and of course she did. And over some fucking bullshit like MTV. What the fuck? Fucking weak. The weak award goes to you, C2. Then you got these Maury Povich fucking dicks, of course. Kimberly thought you were at work. You said no. The lie detector test determined that was a lie. Can't deny I'd like to see Mari Povich go under a lie detector test and see what the fuck he's lying about. Fucking dick. Have you slept with any of the women that you interacted with on Facebook? You said no. The lie detector test determined that was a lie. Ah, you fucking dick. They're fucking lying to you about the fucking virus. I don't know which way the wind's blowing on it, do you? Really? You may think you have a fucking solid answer, but then you hear shit like this. Subscribe to One India Channel and never miss an update. You may have come across a viral news item of Nobel laureate Lou Montaigne in which it is purported that the scientist claimed that whosoever took the COVID-19 vaccine will die in two years. If you have not come across it, then you can mark yourself safe from fake news. But this is what the Nobel laureate said. The Nobel laureate has called mass vaccination against coronavirus during the pandemic unthinkable and a historic blunder that is creating the variants and leading to deaths from the disease. He has also raised concerns about antibody-dependent enhancement or ADE. ADE is a phenomenon where antibodies formed can be beneficial to the virus and for its self-replication. However, this is of course not the norm and a rarer instance. Antibodies mainly help fight the viral infection. However, the scientist Liu Montagnier has never said that people who got vaccinated will die within two years. That is a complete fabrication. Anyhow, it is pertinent to mention here that Liu Montagnier is a controversy's child. Last year, he'd said that the deadly coronavirus was manufactured in a laboratory in China's Wuhan. This theory had created a sensation then as it was still unproved. He is known to be anti-vaccination, has even claimed that simply a good immune system was enough to protect against AIDS. 
His controversial remarks have even caused his peers to accuse him of using his Nobel Prize status to spread dangerous health messages outside of his field of knowledge. Don't even know what to think about it. I just know I'm not going to trust fucking Bill Gates or Johnson & Johnson, especially when they got fucking marks against their ass about 6,500 cases. I don't know if it's 5,600. It's enough, man. It's thousands of cases of uh, malfeasance, <laughs> malfeasance caused by fucking Johnson & Johnson. And less than a hundred of these cases have ever been fucking litigated. So no, I will not be taking the vaccine. You can go fuck yourself. Everybody knows politicians lie, but they keep fucking voting for them like their shit don't stink. I never understood that shit. People are just full of shit, dude. Let's take a reminder look. But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss <laughs> Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. Thank you. Indeed, I did have a relationship with Miss Lewinsky that was not appropriate. <laughs> in fact, it was wrong. It constituted a critical lapse in judgment and a personal failure on my part for which I am solely and completely responsible. And the lies can get deeper than that, and it becomes an epidemic, especially when it's talking about people in Hollywood. Specifically, uh, people in Hollywood who are involved with uh, sex trafficking or uh, pedophilia. The thing I had never understood about it was, how come they're so famous, they just don't even have to be on there to fucking even give you a statement? But, you know, Joe Schmoes like me and you have to fucking go through the ringer. God forbid. Fucking arrest rumors. The media mogul takes to Twitter to respond to awful rumors stating she had been arrested. After finding out her name was trending on social media, she decided to address the rumors. Oprah tweets, Just got a phone call that my name is trending and being trolled for some awful fake thing. It's not true. Haven't been raided or arrested. Just sanitizing and self-distancing with the rest of the world. Stay safe, everybody. Conspiracy theory surfaced online claiming that Oprah had been arrested in connection with an alleged sex trafficking ring and that her house had been raided. Many fans and Oprah's famous friends are coming to her defense. A Wrinkle in Time director and filmmaker Ava DuVernay slams the disgusting rumor. She writes, Trolls and bots began this disgusting rumor. Mean-spirited minds kept it going. Oprah has worked for decades on behalf of others, given hundreds of millions to individuals and causes in need. So what? abuse as a child to help folks heal. Shame on uh -huh. who participated in this. Oh yeah, shame on you. In days of future past director, Brian Singer was recently accused of sexual abuse, and now he's finally speaking out in regards to the claims. In a statement, the 48-year-old director not only refutes this report... Why can't we hear it from that fucking idiot? ...allegations, he's decided not to participate in upcoming press promoting the superhero flick, which will be out on May 23rd. The full statement reads this. Uh -huh. The allegations against me are outrageous, vicious, and completely false. I do not want these fictitious claims to divert any attention from X-Men Days of Future Past. This fantastic film is a labor of love 
and one of the greatest experiences of my career. He continued to say, so out of respect to all the extraordinary contributions from the incredibly talented actors and crew involved, I have decided not to participate in the upcoming media events for the film. However, I promise when this situation is over, the facts will show this to be the sick, twisted shakedown. I want to thank fans, friends, and family for all of their amazing and overwhelming support. In case you weren't aware, a man named Michael Egan is claiming that the director sexually abused him and also provided him with drugs and alcohol when he was 17 years old back in 1999. However, Brian Singer adamantly denies these claims and says that he can even prove he wasn't in Hawaii at the time of the reported incident. It's kind of like the Netflix shit lying to you about the Jeffrey Epstein thing. You know, uh, these guys don't even never have to come forward. They never fucking have to claim themselves to be innocent. Like I said, unlike public people like me and you, these guys and Brian Singer... <laughs> He's being accused of shoving cocaine up a kid's butt. Okay? You think that's okay? You guys are fucking full of shit. You fucking do, man. We live in a fucking lie. We live in a lie. We, uh... Don't tell the truth about shit. And then we sit there and fucking look at each other like we're prey. And social media is not a tool. It's a status. Don't fucking fool yourself. Let's give a little tribute to uh, George Carlin. Rest in peace. And uh, here's a clip from uh, America is a fucking lie. To eating. Americans love to eat. They are, they are fatally attracted to the slow death of fast food. Folks, living in this country, you're bound to know that every time you're exposed to advertising, you realize once again that America's leading industry, America's most profitable business is still the manufacture, packaging, distribution, and marketing of bullshit. High quality, grade A, prime cut, pure American bullshit. And the sad part is, is that most people seem to have been indoctrinated to believe that bullshit only comes from certain places, certain sources, advertising, politics, salesmen, not true. Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Parents are full of shit, teachers are full of shit, clergymen are full of shit, and law enforcement people are full of shit. This entire country, <laughs> this entire country is completely full of shit. And always has been, from the Declaration of Independence to the Constitution to the Star-Spangled Banner, it's still nothing more than one big steaming pile of red, white, and blue all-American bullshit. Because think of how we started. Think of that. This country was founded by a group of slave owners who told us all men are created equal. Oh, yeah, all men, except for Indians and niggers and women, right? always like to use that authentic American language. This was a small group of unelected white male land-holding slave owners who also suggested their class be the only one allowed to vote. Now that is what's known as being stunningly and embarrassingly full of shit. And I think, I think Americans really show their ignorance when they say they want their politicians to be honest. What are these fucking cretins talking about? <laughs> if, tell the truth. Don't be bullshitting people. Like I say, there's enough bullshit as it is. There's enough bullshit as it is. In fact, there's just enough. Did you know that? There's just enough bullshit 
to hold things together in this country. <laughs> Bullshit is the glue that binds us as a nation. Where would we be without our safe, familiar American bullshit? Land of the free, home of the brave, the American dream, all men are equal, justice is blind, the press is free, your vote counts. <laughs> Business is honest, the good guys win, the police are on your side, God is watching you, your standard of living will never decline. And everything is going to be just fine. The official national bullshit story. I call it the American okey-doke. That's what they do with that kind of stuff. They put it in the heads of kids. They pound it in there because kids, they know kids are too young to be able to mount a sophisticated argument against these kind of ideas. And so and kids, and up to a certain age, by the way, kids are going to believe everything a grown-up tells them, everything. So, they, so kids never learn to question things. Nobody questions things in this country anymore. Nobody questions things. Why? People are too fat and happy. People are way too fucking prosperous for their own good. Everyone's got a cell phone that'll make pancakes and rub their balls now, you know? So there you go. There's enough examples of fucking lying to last a fucking millennial. <laughs> and millennials are lying too. Well, welcome to the liar show. Motherfucker. <laughs> People are full of fucking dog shit. Well, I'm going to take a nice little look at lies that came from my childhood that actually were entertaining. <laughs> I wanted to do the show, man, because I'm a TVologist, man. I grew up on vintage TV. Now the shit's on, uh, you know, antenna TV and all this shit featuring the shows. Sanford and Son, Three's Company, Hogan T. Rose, and pretty much every fucking TV show that's great. <laughs> they got a fucking liar in the fucking TV show that makes it great. How can all these fucking vicious lies come out of uh, TV? Well, don't blame the TV. <laughs> but I'm here to look at the bright side. <laughs> and I'm going to go through them. Oh, yeah. Your dear doctor has lied. When I was younger, I did a lot. But when I got older, I realized I didn't want to lie. You know? I, uh, it's one thing we tell little white lies or whatever. But even that shit can fucking spin out of fucking control. We all know it. Even Johnny Rotten's a fucking liar. He lied. Anyway, stick around. I got a special ass treat for you tonight.
Quit lying, motherfucker. According to Wikipedia, William Moulton Marston, also known by the pen name Charles Moulton, was an American psychologist who, with his wife Elizabeth Holloway, invented an early prototype of the lie detector. He was also known as the self-help author and comic book writer who created the character Wonder Woman. What the fuck do you think about that? Well, polygamy's been illegal since the beginning, so... Mouston fucking was lying by not turning himself in. Here's an example as we get the pro-feminist view on this from, uh, I don't know what the fuck it's called. Hold on. Okay, from Annapurna Pictures. Here's a sample from Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. would never have been created without the brilliant observations of Elizabeth, who noted that when she got mad or excited, her blood pressure climbed. The collaborative invention of the lie detector served as inspiration for Wonder Woman's golden tool of truth, the magic lasso. So there you go. While teaching at Tufts University, Professor Marston made the acquaintance of the beautiful young undergraduate, Olive Byrne. The niece of feminist activist Margaret Sanger, Olive worked with Professor Marston to introduce him to the power plays utilized in college sororities at the time to further explore dominance. Over time, Olive became involved with Professor Marston to the knowledge and approval of his wife Elizabeth. Doesn't make it legal. They eventually lived together and each woman had children with Marston. Uh -huh. Unconventional union inspired and informed aspects of the open-minded Wonder Woman. It's okay because he was a famous psychologist. It was the idea of Elizabeth Halloway Marston to create a female superhero. Professor Marston recommended an idea for a new kind of superhero. One who would conquer not with fists or firepower, but with love. Fine, said Elizabeth, but make her a woman. Professor Marston used a pair of bracelets that Olive Byrne frequently wore to inspire the ones that would become the bulletproof accessories of Wonder Woman. Charles Moulton's identity is surprising in that this mysterious creator of Wonder Woman can't be attributed to one person. Charles Moulton is arguably the merged love, strength, femininity, and intellect of the combined powers of the union of William, Elizabeth, and Olive. A.K.A. Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. A.K.A. Polygamist Behotch. Anyway, lying, alright. One of my favorite lying shows ever was fucking Hogan's Heroes. Computer, tell us what the fuck Hogan's Heroes is about. Hogan's Heroes is a 1965 sitcom six seasons that aired from 1965 to 1971 and starred... Bob Crane, Werner Klemperer, and Robert Clary. And thanks, fucking computer. Oh my god. What would I do without a fucking computer? I'll never forget watching the pilot. When I was living in Northeast Ohio. You gotta go back and listen to the Northeast Ohio episode. You don't have to do shit, but you should, because it's fucking awesome, dude. That fucking awesome ass episode includes my history with television and being raised by radiation tubes I'll never forget it the original ones in black and white but uh 
It starred a guy named Bob Green. The whole show was about Stalag 13, which was an actual concentration camp during fucking World War II. Of course, Hollywood makes it look like it's a nothing short of a hardcore resort. <laughs> Bob Crane was some fucked up motherfucker. Alright, let's see. Computer, tell us what's up with Bob Crane. According to Amo Mama, not even his seemingly perfect family kept him from succumbing to his sex addiction. Apart from being unfaithful, Crane had a secret passion that many labeled as his dark side. He would take nude photos and X-rated videos of the women he slept with. Wow, fuck, dude. That's pretty crazy, huh, dude? Well, you know who he did that with? Fucking Richard Dawson, who also was on the pilot and very heavily into making these porno motherfuckers with uh, Bob Crane. <laughs> In the end, you know, Richard Dawson lost his fucking mind. World-class liar, host of Family Feud. Have you ever watched that last episode of Family Feud? You can see he just lost it. Supposedly, Richard Dawson fucked every woman that was ever on. Family Food. And that would have been because of the shared sex edition that fucking... <laughs> he had with Bob Green. The one thing that they knew how to do on this show was fucking lie. That's all the show was about, dude. And I kind of watched it like it was a survival guide. <laughs> anyway. Hogan's Heroes coming in first at, you know, the number one liar, motherfucker. <laughs> Holy fuck, dude. The most liar TV show that ever existed, in my opinion, was Three's Company. <laughs> I think so many motherfuckers wanted to be Jack Tripper. Who fucking crashes out at a party, wakes up in the bathtub, and gets to fucking be the roommate? But every episode is based around a lie that happens, or a series of lies. Their life is pretty much a lie. <laughs> the Ropers, the first landlords, which was awesome. Norman Fell and his wife, whoever that woman is, go look it up. She was awesome. And of course, as soon as they leave, they have a uh, fucking Don Knotts show up as Mr. Furley, which is just as fucking explosively funny, man. You know, after uh, Suzanne Summers fucking pitched a big fit because she wasn't getting paid enough money, you know, it kind of goes downhill from there, you know, until you get to the very fucking bitter end. Three's a crowd? Ugh. Out of all the fucking chicks that fucking Jack Tripper banged, he ends up marrying that Vicky chick who has the fucking dad from Soap. <laughs> it's like, okay. You know. 
gross misusage of uh, John Ritter. Rest in peace, John Ritter. More motherfuckers wanted to be you than you'll ever fucking know. <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, you know, this show... There was an episode, I guess it was like in the third or fourth season. Season five, I guess. You can look it up or whatever, but... There's a brief part where John Ritter's wearing boxer shorts and he's on the fucking bed. And his nut falls out. I guess he was on uh, Jimmy Kimmel or whatever later on. And he asked him, did you uh, mean to, did you know your nut was out? You know, da 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 da. And uh, did you do that on purpose? And he goes, yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> True story, man. I loved it. I thought if John Ritter as Jack Tripper could do whatever, then so could I, man. So beautiful, man. Lucille Ball did the fucking hundredth an hundredth uh, uh, anniversary, <laughs> the hundredth uh, episode or whatever, and gets on the set and talks about it. Which brings us into our next famous liar. All right, man. I actually scored my sister from another mister. Miss Kim Jackson, how you doing? I'm good. I'm really good. Well, I know you, we were talking about the liar episode before I started fucking recording it, you know? Oh, yeah. And I was like, well, I guess let's, uh, let's talk about Sanford and Son because... Fred G. Sanford as a fictional character is definitely a fucking liar, right? Yeah, he, he spun some tales. He spun some tales. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's always... Yeah, I think that was, like... Um, I think that part of, like, the whole... Of him telling stories, it was also, like... Like, his... Con like, when he needed to exude that confidence in himself. And... Um, and he used his tales to to get through life. And yeah, I mean, some of it was, some may call them lies, some may call them exaggerations. True. But, you know, yeah, that's I think it's along that same line. <laughs> I just thought he just did it so gracefully. And it reminded me of like how you kind of had to be in Hollywood in real life. You know, you got to be like able to lie on the spot. And then you got to be able to pull it off somehow, you know? That's yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with you. I think that part of it is, it has to do with charisma. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. If, yeah. If, if, if the person that's lying is just, there's, there's a difference between, I think there's almost like an art to it. There like is. A, yeah, there's like an art to it. There's like a, a style and art. Um, it's like like having somebody weave a really beautiful tale, and like who doesn't love that? <laughs> I'm telling. <laughs> I love Desmond Wilson, and uh, I can't remember the woman who played Anne Esther. Go look it up. On Lawanda Page. Lawanda Page was in real life. She got accused of some stuff that Red Fox ended up like. Ended up leaving the show, I thought, because of it. Is that true? 
I don't remember. Like, I think that so this is the thing. I think this. Someone is lied about her, and he was like, "Nope, that's not true," and he left. No, I mean, I I think that I forgot why he left the show because that was again we were like you know so teeny tiny. Oh yeah. And it's really interesting to go back, like um. You know, it's always interesting to go back as an adult and look at something again because I found that that um, my understanding of the reason why he left the show it had to do with and you know he had some of the best people in the world working for him from Luanda Page like all of those old cats that he would hang out with and play cards with they were all his homies from back in the day like he hired his friends. He did. Yeah, he was working with them already, a lot of them. And from those, you know, those, like, circuits, you know, they used to call it the Chitlin Circuit. <laughs> I never heard that. Oh, my God, dude, you heard about the Chitlin Circuit? Oh Fuck no. Yeah, so the Chitlin Circuit was, like, so back in the day, you know, black folks, we weren't always playing Vegas, but we would play, like, these little clubs in Alabama, Mississippi, okay. Chicago. And they were all black. Oh. They got, it was called referred to as the Chitlin Circuit. But you had everything there from comedians to musicians to, like, burlesque dancers. And a lot of those people from that ended up into, like, mainstream. Wow. And Red Fox was, um, he was definitely a part of that. And also, um, side note, Red Fox, Malcolm X were contemporaries. Okay. So, so, wait, and then check it out. They were both, because they were both light-skinned, and both of them had naturally red hair, that, um, like, I heard that people used to, like, they knew each other, but they were kind of similar-looking, and so one was called, like, St. Louis Red, and the other one was called something else, but it had to do with their, because both of them had, like, that you know when black people have light skin and freckles and red hair yeah yeah both of them had that similar quality but anyway back to red fox um i think that part of what made it really charming like every week was you know um, even if he was trying to make a play for like a lady and he would get all suave because most of the time <laughs> <laughs> You know, and he would because um, most of the time he was just suspenders in his belly. Mm-hmm. When he would when he was when he would try to be suave. Oh man! He like this like player. He would come out with the suit and the hat and the songs. Every little, you know, he would sing. And I think that because we you know we we've been talking about this liar. Um, and like I said, it's about charm. It's about grace. We've mentioned so many different people. That's true. You know, like we've talked about, you and I have been kind of working the liar angle for the past month or so. Yeah, I've been talking about this for a minute. And uh, it's nice. I'm glad how it's turning out. This is a great segment. And uh, I also, you know, want to talk about one more. What you had to say about Lucy. (laughs) Wait, wait, say say that one more time. 
<laughs> if you went to Chicago, what? If I went to Chicago, no, dude, I'm I'm serious as fuck about this. I'm telling you, if I went to Chicago, I would just eat until I like pooped my pants. Wow. Like I would. You know, here's the other thing too. I would also. I would just become a fat person. No, you wouldn't. You stop. Yes, I would on purpose. Like I would just be like. <laughs> I would just eat, I would just start eating like fucking pizza and sandwiches and like they do. I would, yeah, I would just become like, and I would be happy about it. I'd be like, no, I'm gonna be fat. <laughs> That's another episode. Yeah, All right, <laughs> and maybe you may or not, you may or may not be lying to yourself, so it is relevant. Okay. No. Hold on, hold on, Lucy, focus. Let's. We're focus. gonna. Okay. I remember it. The song had lyrics. Okay. Wow. I love Lucy and she loves me. <laughs> I guess that the lyrics are very rare. It's only on one episode, right? Yeah, and she's okay, okay, this is how this is how I nerd hard. I know that episode because she's pregnant in the episode. Yeah. You know, um Ricky Jr. Well, you know, in real life, they were living a lie, right? Because she wasn't happy. He was an abusive fucking dick. And beat the shit out of her, right? And you know what? Here's the thing, though. Here's my thing about that situation. This bitch was the boss. She was the fucking boss of that show. And But at the same time, but this is what's crazy. This is why their relationship was berserkowitz. It's because... He apparently, like, she was, like, a creative force. He was, like, a producing genius. And then they built this, like, badass show for the ages. Like, we're still watching it. 72, 75. Wait, hold on. Wait, 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 is it 70? It's 2001. So it went for a fucking while. No, I think, like, no joke. I think it's, like, 70 years old. No joke, dude, because it came on at 51. So okay. it's 70 years old and it's tight. And when you watch it and you watch the episodes and you watch her, genius, man. Genius. Yeah. She was an awesome woman, right? She, she was a fucking genius, dude. This was a badass fucking powerhouse genius woman who, you know, 70 years later, we're still into her stuff. I couldn't believe how cool she was in a lot, so many ways, you know. But uh, that was one of the things I uh, did respect about her. I gotta be honest, was she had that ability to, she had the ability to to lie like the way that she did. You know what I mean? But that was part of some of, like, how many situations did our queen <laughs> did our queen get herself into because of her tales you know she would just spin some tales about what she'd done her ability to sing her ability to dance her experience in the theater 
um, and she always mentioned Jamestown. <laughs> that was like her hometown, right? I don't know. Was it? Dude, that was on the show. I mean, she always mentioned that on the show. She mentioned she's from Jamestown, and it was always that she, in her mind, she was the star of the show. And that's the kind of confidence that if you're a little kid, like if you're watching that, you you kind of want to get you want to get in on that shit, right? Oh yeah. No, she brought it. She made a possibility. Pretty fucking cool, man. That's cool. I'm I'm glad that you stood to her defense that day. No, I, I here's. So yeah, I mean, what were you saying? Oh my gosh, well, we were talking about Lucy. Like, I think, <laughs> you know, I, no, dude, I think it's even like sometimes you get so excited about talking about this bitch, but she's our queen, man. She's our fucking queen because she she was all of us, like with our with like just faking it until you made it, baby. You know. I uh, <laughs> you know what my favorite Lucy episode is? Is the Superman one. Because, of course, it's Superman and Lucy together. But, uh, you know, nobody believes her. She keeps telling everybody that Superman's coming to little Ricky's party. And, of course, she shows up as Superman and everybody's like, Oh, come on. Who are you trying to fool? So, you know, she goes out on the ledge to pretend that she just flew in. And uh, she gets stuck on the ledge and Superman comes out. And saves her. Mm-hmm. That shit is awesome. But you know what's great is that her costume is. Okay, here's the thing. Her costume was so bogus. <laughs> it just proves that you know no one's gonna believe you if you cry shit wolf too much. But you know what? That's. But here's the thing. What do, what, what do we learn from that? Sometimes you just gotta like you gotta show people that you're the fucking badass that you are, until you believe that shit. Fake it until you make it. Just show up with your with your bogus ass costume and be like, "I'm the shit. This is I'm Superman, and I fooled you." And in that sense, lying can be a positive thing, dude. I think that is. It's not just it's the confidence, the charisma. If you're not showing up with the charisma, you're you're gonna be toast. Plato's the smartest man that ever lived. He said it's okay to lie if it truly benefits the cause of the people. Tucker called it the noble lie. So you have to lie to Lucy, Julian. Otherwise she's never gonna leave you alone. Besides, it's a good lie. Ricky and Lucy love each other. That was Bubbles in the segment from like the first season called The Noble Lie. Plato was the smartest man that ever lived. I don't know. I think Jack Kirby was probably a little bit smarter than Plato. But whatever, it's up to debate. He's got a fucking point, you know? Sometimes to get people off your fucking ass, you gotta lie. That's a different kind of lie. So I guess there's all kinds of lies, you know? And I'm going to talk about all kinds of different lies. But I do want to give tribute to fucking 
trailer park boys because those motherfuckers know how to fucking lie. Holy fuck, dude. Fucking amazing. The lies that Ricky tells the fucking pigs to get away from them are some of the funniest, funniest, funniest fucking things I've ever seen. I remember it's early day when I just saw them and just laughing so fucking hard that I had goddamn tears rolling out of my eyes, man. You know when you cried from laughter? <laughs> I thought the art of lying was, you know, how they really just created everything and just an amazing artistic web of fucking bullshit, man. <laughs> Kudos to the fucking Trailer Park Boys. I, I just wanted to give it to him. And rest in peace, Jim Leahy. Never cry shit, Wolf, man. Never cry shit, Wolf. When I was a kid, I uh, realized I had a great talent. I could lie like a motherfucker. <laughs> I had this sadistic, you know, uh, parents, set of parents that, you know, it didn't matter if you told the truth, you were still a fucking liar. When you do that to a kid, they just end up realizing, well, I'm just better off lying. You know, because you need to be able to accredit the kid if they have the bravery to tell the truth. You know, the few times I ever did tell the truth, I was still called a fucking liar anyway. With that kind of desperation, why even bother? But as your doctor, you know, at least on this episode, <laughs> I'm going to tell you straight up, I'm not actually a doctor. I'm an MD, mad doctor, GED, which I do have. And uh, that's what made me an MD, GED. Because I got tired of uh, being lied to and I wanted to fucking create a platform that uh, was legit. Growing up with mental illness, I realized, uh, you know, the doctors I had were going to lie to me, specifically around the 2002-2003 mark when I actually started taking mental illness seriously. And all I had was motherfuckers lying to me about, you know, drugs. You know, you can't stick people on synthetic heroin. <laughs> Period. That's a fucking lie. Telling them they're bipolar, that's a lie. Hardly anybody really is bipolar, dude. You can go look it up, man. You know, it's just a super rare ass fucking mental illness. I'm not saying people aren't bipolar, but the people that they do uh, registrate as being bipolar, you know, um... Most of the time, they didn't do the research. In the case with me, you can go back and listen to the episode, How I Got My Stripes, and I tell you how I went into Stanford University. And the reason I did go to Stanford University was because I needed the truth, man. I knew I had to go to the third best hospital in the fucking country 
basically to be told an honest analysis. Before that, uh, they had me uh, believing that I was on uh, pills and all this shit uh, for being bipolar. Simply wasn't true. I know a lot of you motherfuckers out there and a few people who actually will hear this show have probably encountered this and have been lied to by your doctors and everybody else. Well, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I'm going to tell you the truth. People are just fucking full of shit. When I was a kid, you know, the thing I could release, have released with, was TV. And I could, I knew these guys would be lying, but, you know, somehow, on the TV shows, it was acceptable. Let's take a look at some of the more famous liars out there. Civilians call a lie detector test. Oh, all right, let me ask you now. When someone is lying, is it true that their pants are actually on fire? <laughs> if I could tell you the famous faces that have been up here. Get out. A certain cast member of Melrose Place. Really? Have you ever seen the show? No. He's lying. <laughs> you can admit it, Jerry. No, it's okay. I admit it. I don't watch it. Hey, Lou. Maybe we should put him on the poly. Folly? Yeah. I think you've seen it. <laughs> Melrose Place? Yes. Melrose Place. I just didn't know you watched that. Well, I do. <laughs> I mean, every time I've mentioned it, you never say anything or join in the conversation. Well, maybe I was a little embarrassed. Sydney and Michael and Jane. And Billy and Jake and Allison. Yes, we could have discussed it. Why? Why were you so embarrassed? The point is, I'm going to be taking this lie detector test, and that needle's going to be going wild. That is so stupid. Why don't you just confess? It's too stupid to confess. Look what I'm confessing to. Well, what are you going to do? I don't know. Maybe I can beat the machine. Oh. Who do you think you are? Costanza? Hey, you know what? I have access to one of the most deceitful, duplicitous, deceptive minds of our time. Who better to advise me? Oh, God, this is terrible. Did you shake it up? No. You gotta shake it up. No, I'm sick of shaking. You gotta shake everything. Yeah, that's a real nuisance. <laughs> this is killing me. So, George, how do I beat this lie detector? I'm sorry, Jerry, I can't help you. Come on, you got the gift. You're the only one that can help me. Jerry, I can't. It's like saying to Pavarotti, teach me to sing like you. <laughs> All right, well, I gotta go take this test. I can't believe I'm doing this. Jerry, just remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. What's your name? Jerry Seinfeld. What is your address? 129 West 81st Street. Did Kimberly steal Joe's baby? <laughs> I don't know. 
Did Billy sleep with Alice's best friend? I don't know. Did Jane's fiance kidnap Sydney and take her to Las Vegas? And if so, did she enjoy it? I don't know. Did Jane sleep with Michael again? Yes! Yes, that stupid idiot! He left her for Kimberly! He slept with her sister! He tricked her into giving him half her business, and then she goes ahead and sleeps with him again! I mean, she's crazy! How could you do something like that? I mean, that Jane, oh, just makes me so mad! Sounds all funny, right? You know, and it is. There's some good episodes of Seinfeld. They're just fucking hilarious. Not only is Melrose Place a component made by <laughs> a TV show made by Aaron Spelling, but the show specializes in fucking people lying to each other, dude. I used to call Melrose Place, which I did watch religiously, I used to call it the nickname Life Destroyer 3000 <laughs> because that's all these motherfuckers did. It was vicious. And even though I was in a fucking horrific fucking sounding death metal band and all this other shit, I thought the kind of fucking writing that was on that show was even more fucking crazy, you know, just crazy lies. That's all these guys did. They all fucking just lie. All right, computer, what are all the fucking shows that Aaron Spelling made? Can you tell me that shit? According to Wikipedia, his productions included the TV series Family, Charlie's Angels, The Love Boat, Heart to Heart, Dynasty, Beverly Hills, 90,210, Melrose Place, Seventh Heaven, and Charmed. Wow, uh, they forgot a few of them, but... Uh... Definitely one of the more important ones that should be on there is the legendary Twin Peaks. Aaron Spelling did cast that under his production company. Uh, yeah, that's the fucking truth about that. The one thing Aaron Spelling had, you know, in common that he was able to interwove all these into all these shows is masterful lying. Because that's what these guys do to each other. They lie to each other. They cheat on each other. They, uh, <clears throat> you know, turn their backs on each other. Um, and leave each other to die, basically. They could give a fuck less what happens to you. <clears throat> and in the end, all you hear is, oh, that's a darn shame. <laughs> is it through all these TV shows, like... Specifically, I blame Aaron Spelling being the antichrist of television. He's just so damn good. And Melrose Place is written so well. <laughs> like you heard Jerry in his little skit there. I don't know if he really watched Melrose Place or not. I think he knew about it. And it was just enough information to embellish. But, you know. Do all these lies that you hear when you're a kid... And on TV, do they justify when you get older and hear these darker-ass fucking lies that are really coming out of people? Because the lies you hear on television, it doesn't really matter. 
It's like uh, jacking off to a video as opposed to having intercourse with someone for real. Um, the video doesn't have a soul. The TV you're watching doesn't have a soul. Souls may have produced it, but there's no soul to it when it's finally being aired. It's just this artificial fucking thing. And in the end, there's no, in the end, there's no harm, no foul. Minus the shit that would be happening behind the scenes. Otherwise, in our real life, is that where we're learning how to lie? <laughs> From these fucking TV shows? Or is it just something that's naturally inherent, you know? Because I remember being in my uh, rock and roll phase, watching a lot of 90210 and watching uh, a lot of this kind of... Aaron Spelling definitely Love Boat. I couldn't get enough fucking Love Boat. I was addicted to fucking Love Boat. But, you know, the whole thing's based off of them lying to each other. And then it's just some happy ending at the end. Like, oh, you know. Uh, <laughs> obviously, that's not how real life works. And uh, speaking of rock and roll, I'm going to bust into the next part of the show here, which is about rock stars... That lies so much. Fucking Jello Biafra. That's the first dick I'm going to talk about. <sighs> Fucking sometime in the early 90s. It was me and my girlfriend. <clears throat> you got to go back to the Ren and Stimpy show. It was the same chick. We were working at Toys R Us at that time. <laughs> we were crashing on a floor, you know? And uh, we were crashing on the floor of... Nate Boucher, who was like this older college, you know, uh, dude who had attempted suicide, I guess, at one point. And, uh, but, you know, he did these crazy bad things and he was just kind of fucked in the head. Like most of the white people are that are in, in Boulder, Colorado. The whole place is cursed. It's cursed by the Arapaho and the Ute Indian Native American tribes, they've cursed that motherfucker. You know, the white settlers came back long ago. And now they lie about it like their shit don't stink, like there should even be there, you know. They don't, they don't belong in that land. And I don't think you could really get any tribes to ever go back to the land because it's so soiled with the degradation of both men, women, and children of these tribes being raped, murdered, slaughtered, indescribable things done to them. And we live in a lie. And nothing good ever, ever will happen or come out of stolen land, which uh, all of it is. Hate to say it, Nate, Nate Boucher, his cousin with it was Eric Boucher, and Eric Boucher is... Jello Biafra. And if you don't know who Jello Biafra is, you better get your ass to Hot Topic and... <laughs> Motherfucker, this is junior high, high school fucking shit. I remember the first time I heard Dan Kennedy's too. I loved him so much, man. I loved the message. His voice wasn't annoying. It was perfect. And then you get older and you realize this guy's... A human like everybody else, and he's really 
this white entitlement motherfucker whose professors or his parents were professors at CU who worked alongside of uh, Nancy Spungen's parents. And if you know who know who Sp Nancy Spungen is, <laughs> Sid Nancy motherfucker. Junkie bitch from Boulder. Whatever. Nothing new under the sun. So Jello Biafra, he's doing the mon new Monkey Wrench, Monkey Wrench, the New World Order tour. <laughs> and after he gets done, he comes over to Nate's house, his cousin, to come lecture him that the that his whole family is basically getting ready to turn him into the FBI for a series of fucking crimes he had committed. Involving stolen, stolen uh, vehicles and other stolen property. Me and my chick knew about it, but we didn't have a place to go, so we were just kind of crashing on his floor. And he knew Nate was older than us, so he yelled at Nate, Oh, you got kids working for you now? I'm going to go ahead and turn all you guys in. I was like, what the fuck did that dude just say? He took him in the back room and scalded him or something, and then when he got back out, he left in a huff. Mr. Jello Biafra. Fucking 7 o'clock the next morning, the FBI fucking comes and breaks us up. I guess uh, my girlfriend, she had uh, a warrant out for a drug case that she didn't show up for in California and SoCal, so she got extradited back to L.A., and I, it's too bad because I was keeping her off meth. Now I was like, now she's really going to do meth again. Thanks to Jello Biafra, Mr. Fucking Preachy Preaches the fucking lot. That fucking dead Kennedy's bullshit. He's some white entitlement motherfucker, dude. He's just, he's as white as J-Rock, bitch. He is J-Rock. With a whinier voice. Motherfuckers. <laughs> In the end... I was in Tempe, Arizona. I ended up he heading back to LA to go get my girlfriend. And I told a couple buddies about it while I was crashing with them under a fucking freeway underpass. The one guy said he was going to go break Jello's legs for it. Six months later in MMMNAR, he did. This next one's even fucking sadder because I thought this guy was a friend of mine, Matt Pike. He wasn't, a, he wasn't a friend of mine. I'm finally going to release the information on the show because it fits right into the liar fucking schism just fucking perfectly. And in the end, it's a fucking damn shame. And you know what? I don't give a fuck what your shitty ass opinions are before I even start this story. I had a few friends judge me on this shit, like, oh, well, you know, da-da-da-da, like he's this rock star that's so important to be pampered and all this shit. You guys are ignorant turds, and you were never a fucking artist that he fucked over, and period. It's uh, 10 years to the fucking year this year, because he did this shit in 2011, so this is a good story for that. The 10th anniversary. This is to you, Matt Pike, you bump-grinding warist bitch. And you know what? It's hard to fucking hate the music. 
the art and the artist. You can go back and listen to that fucking little episode with another guy who I just told to go fuck himself, you know? Anyway, that's a different story. Matt Pike called me up 2011 after he scored the Scion record deal with a woman named Kim Lucas who lived in Oakland. They both made the call. She's, Matt Pike said, it was Kim's idea. I want you to do a comic book for me, bro. I want you to make it look like an old school underground comic book. I was like, no shit. And you know, here's what I'm gonna tell you before I even continue. Always, always, always get an agreed legal contract that protects you before you do any work for a monstrous fucking dick like fucking Matt Pike. (laughs) And I like sleep. I'll still listen to sleep, man, whatever. I can't listen to it as much. It's a damn shame. And high on fire can fuck off. Bunch of jock bitches with fucking Matt Pike's fucking bloated ass tramp stamp looking bitch ass. He's really just some redneck fucking dick, dude. There is nothing special about this motherfucker. I know a bunch of people that can play guitar like him, man. We were friends for a long time, too, dude. Hell, I even played the fucking first tour High on Fire ever went on with my band Black and Goat Tongue, who also turned into fucking sellout dicks, minus the drummer, who I have on the show. You can go back and listen to Black and Goat Tongue gladly. (laughs) My drummer doesn't know why I hold a grudge. I'm like, fuck you, man. You didn't write shit. And that's the thing. Matt Pike had me create a whole comic book, 32 pages. That illustrated shit out that's out right now, that's what he really wanted. He wasn't happy with what I had done. Uh, and he, sh- he didn't even really fucking know me, dude, like that. And I did a killer-ass underground comic book. There was nothing wrong with it. He left me hanging on the fucking storyline. He wasn't there. Uh, he disappeared. I spent four months working on this thing on my own, just turmoiling. At the same time, my fucking fiance cheated on me, her fat ass cheated on me three fucking times. She can fuck off forever. And uh, I was getting fucked around by Big Pharma. You know? It was the last year of it. You know, these are the kinds of things that break you out. This is the kind of shit that creates a supervillain, motherfucker. See, Matt Pike, I'm talking to you, your fat ass directly. You fucking made a villain out of my ass, son. I heard your little schlubby threat back then, too, about fucking... I told you I was going to kick your ass. You were like, I'd like to see that happen. Motherfucker, shit's best served cold. And we all know it. So you enjoy your little fucking ignorance and bliss and the ignorance of all your shitty little fans. 
And they're all shitty, stuck-up, fucking Doomanites. I remember the fucking Doom scene at the beginning of it, not that long ago. <laughs> and it wasn't full of fucking douchebag dildos. That's why you want a fucking Grammy, Metallica bitch. And you ain't writing nothing original. <laughs> Give me a break, dude. You had your fucking day. And you fucked over the wrong guy. And I just wanted everybody to fucking know it. God bless the fucking days that were cool, man, before the insanity. But he's too fat and proud and whatever to ever apologize. He actually tried to extort me with 500 bucks so I would shut up about it. When really he owed me $3,200, which is still not that much money for this guy. It's like, you're going to pay me my money in time, bro. I promise you that. And I'll get compensated on grievances as well. <laughs> so rock and roll really is full of shit, man, all the way around. Dixie from Weed Eater could have fucking stuck up for me. He didn't. Guy I fucking grew up with. Was going to have him on the show at one point, but he can go fuck himself. And a bunch of guys. The most difficult fucking lies I'm dealing with right now specifically that irritate me and just are pushing me to no end and I don't appreciate being noted as being like QAnon or any of these fucking orchestrated CIA fucking groups that were there just to fucking pin people who are talking what they call conspiracy theories. They do a really good job of labeling conspiracy theorists when they can't unprove that the conspiracy theory doesn't exist. That's a problem. See what I'm saying? Uh, the biggest one is the ones with the evidence. To me, missing children, over 3 million children a year globally, and you know it's more than that, but it's, it, there, it's about 3 million children that are missing annually on the planet. And you're going to have eggheads talking about this, that, and the other thing. They don't really care about these kids. If you really gave a fuck about these kids, you'd be out of your mind. Really doing something and collaborating network to network, community to community. So tight woven that every neighborhood in this country was working with every area in the world to protect kids. And that's what I hope does happen because it's a lie that you're living in thinking that your fucking life is more important than this shit it's not sorry dude and y'all ought to be ashamed of yourself and you should start doing something about it the only way I can tell you is, is, and I hate using the word should, but when things hit this level of degradation and the lies are so widespread and they got to dredge up fake-ass conspiracy theory groups and call them QAnon and whatever the fuck. QAnon is just more pedophile-backed bullshit. Well, gee, I wonder who those pedophile backers are. It's the same people creating them so that they can fucking get people off their ass. You never put that fucking together, did you? Yeah, I bet not. It's one of the older tricks in the book. It's called a patsy move. 
Motherfucker, wake the fuck up. Stop lying. You're lying to yourself. Uh, here, I want to play this one last sample. Now I'm going to wrap up this show, I guess. Unless I got some other shit. I don't think I do. Maybe I do. I don't know. We'll see. Hold on. Alison Arngren was the actress who was on Little House on the Prairie. And she played uh, Nellie Olson. You know, she was sexually abused as a child. Uh, Allison said molestation is likely just as prevalent in Hollywood today as it was in the 70s. I think more people, I hope, are more aware of sexual abuse in Hollywood now than they used to be. But there's terrible people. See, the way child predators work, it's like the old thing about Willie Sutton, why do you rob banks? It's where they keep the money. Child predators, well, where are they keeping the children? And where might there be some children who are not being supervised all the time by their parents? Oh, look, agent, child manager, photographer, casting director. These are also things where a child predator will say, oh, wow, what if I got a job doing that? How many parents would leave their kid alone with me? There's been a few managers who've gotten arrested and gone to jail. Not long enough, but they got caught. But before they got caught, there were parents dropping their kids off at these guys' houses. Did it occur to you that maybe it's odd for a 40-year-old guy to want that many 11-year-olds in his pool without their parents all day? For show business, it's very weird. People will get starstruck. <clears throat> and if their next-door neighbor said, Hi. You hardly know me, but I would like to have your children come over and stay in my house and, and not have you there. You would say no. You'd say that's weird. But someone very rich, someone very famous, someone who's an agent or a manager or a star comes up and tells you this. People say, well, all right, let me pack a bag. I didn't tell anyone what was happening to me until I was an adult. As an adult, I look back and I go, how stupid was that? I had people I could have told. Can you imagine if I had told Michael Landon or anyone on Little House in the Prairie? Of course they would have done something. But I, you don't think of that when you're a kid. You don't know. You don't think like a grown-up. Now she's helping out uh, to create a platform for people to share their stories and survival. It's called Indomitable Spiritualism. The you know. event is going to be on February 25th. What we're doing is we're gathering up these people who have these incredible stories of courage and strength and survival. People who've overcome seemingly insurmountable odds and not only are still with us and alive, but have thrived and have incredible lives and talking about how they did this. Come to this and hear, and people who need to hear this, come and, and find out what we're doing. Pretty incredible, you know. Um... One in four people sexually abused. You don't think we're living in a lie, not taking care of this stuff the right way? This shouldn't be this way, man. You know? And Corey Feldman, he's known the names of fucking pedophiles, been telling people for years that he knows it. And now people are just slowly listening to it because it doesn't have anything to do with what's popular. It's not popular to care about kids right now. You have to make it popular to make sure that kids are protected. 
you have to make it popular. You have to make it as popular as like Facebook and Instagram and all this other bullshit that people are just like, oh, I got my COVID shot. It's like, go find some kids. <laughs> you know? Go take care of some elders. Go take care of the environment. You're not doing shit. You're just being this egotistical, maniacal maniac that's lying to yourself, supplicating to Facebook, who is a registrated member of NAMBLA. People don't want to pay attention. Oh, well, well, I still need Facebook to communicate with. <laughs> it's like you're supporting pedophile shit as you're on Earth. I had to get off of it for my own reasons. And that was one of the main things that helped me get the fuck off there, man. You know, if I ever have to have it, you know, that's one thing. But not the way people are on there fucking lying to themselves, taking pictures of themselves all the time. It's narcissistic. It's like a narcissistic fucking disease. You're a fucking liar. And that's what narcissists are. They're fucking liars. It's up to you to break the fucking chain of lies, guys. I'm going to wrap it up. Um, we already know there's many things that need to be taken care of. There's many things within uh, the thing that you can do is not lie. And if you do lie, have the bravery to confront it. Let's close this fucker out. Motherfucker, the world is just set up the way that it is. And it sucks. You have to make the change as an individual. You can cause more fucking damage with the truth <laughs> than you can lying sometimes. I don't know. It's really quite, quite confusing at points. But sometimes it's uh, not just in black and white. Anyway... Depends on what you're fucking lying about. I want to thank you guys for your ongoing support so I can keep making experimental motherfucking shows like this. It does suck that we live in a lie. But you have to know the truth, man. You have to observe it. I think in the end, it's up to you. If you guys got a story you want to come, call me up and uh, call me at the office. I'm at 206-666-5847. You can uh, leave a message on the anchor. Contact me. Uh, leave a message off Spotify. Underground Cartoon Therapy. I've been your host, Adam Air, MD, GED. <laughs> I want to let you know you're important to me. That's why I'm doing this shit. It's hard to get through your ego. But once you can start telling the truth... We can actually get some shit done, finally. Alright guys, keep in tune with Adam Air MD GED. 
Underground Cartoon Therapy. Dick. What, you never heard the Threes of Necro theme? Oh yeah, this is the added bonus. I did this for the mortician. Alright, check this shit out. Come and fuck a dead whore, come and fuck a dead whore. My eye is fussing for you, my eye is fussing for you. Where the rot is hers and hers and is free necropsy too. The maggots will infest more, the maggots will infest more. Upon the corpses they chew, upon the corpses they chew. With the lovable rectum that needs your face, the decomposition will love you too. You splooge on cum-crusted nuns and the mortician will lead them to you. Cooking cannibal stew. Can't wait to eat you. Oh god. You've been listening to Adam Air MD, GED. Underground Cartoon Therapy.